Uh, I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to the book of Genesis chapter 15. Take your Bibles, your apps, whatever you read on, Genesis chapter 15. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles in the back of the pews. Feel free to grab one of those. Genesis is the very first book in the Bible, so you should just be able to flip a few pages into it, and you'll hit Genesis. Look for the big one, five, that's Genesis 15, and that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. Now, if you don't have a Bible at home uh, that you can read and study, uh, take one of those pew Bibles that we've got there, and and at the end of the service, take it with you. Uh, We want everybody to have a Bible that they can study and read and refer to. Uh, So let that be our gift to you this morning. Uh, Take that Bible with you. My master is a great man, the greatest of men. He is wealthy yet selfless. He is powerful Yet humble. The men, the kings of the area respect everything he does. But he wasn't always like this. He wasn't always a man of great wealth. He wasn't always a man with the power that you see in him today. Oh, what am I saying? How rude of me. Let me introduce myself. My name is Eleazar. I am the servant of Abraham, the great man Abraham from Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, let me tell you a little bit of his backstory so that you understand what I'm saying. Abraham, well, back then he was known as Abram. Abram was called by God from Ur of the Chaldeans to move. The crazy thing is, is that his God never actually told him where to move. He just said, pack your things and go. That's when I met Abram, along the path that he was taking for his God. We traveled a long way, long distances with all of his family. He even had a nephew with him named Lot. All of our sheep, goats, cattle, all of our equipment, we traveled with it. And yet we had no destination. It was a weird trip. And I use that word intentionally. It was strange to just go. To go without knowing where you would end up at. But for one reason or another, Abram had faith. Do you know of this faith? He believed in this God. And He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this God would take him exactly where he needed to be. Even though the destination, the the end point was not known, he knew everything would work out perfectly. I don't know where this faith comes from, although Abram did tell of a, a, a night when this God of his spoke to him very clearly and made promises to him about Him multiplying Abram into a great nation. And so we traveled. And even though Abram was promised a great nation through his children, he had no children, which created a problem, obviously. How can one have a nation 
of descendants when you don't even have one descendant. So he continued to travel. And Abram continued to have faith. Although I will say his faith faltered many times. At one point, Abram doubted God and was convinced that instead of having a child through his wife, he should have a child through one of his servants. So he took his servant as his concubine and had a son through her. Yeah, that backfired on Abram. But a few years later, his wife, even though she was very old, had a child. And Abram changed in many ways. As a matter of fact, his name even changed. His name went from Abram to Abraham. And everybody knew him as Abraham from that point forward. His son's name was Isaac, and Isaac was a great young man. Which brings us to today. Let me tell you about this experience. You, you see, one day, Abram grabs Isaac and me and a couple of other servants, and he says, we're going to go sacrifice on the mountain. I thought, okay, we've done this many times. Abram, as a faithful man, would go and sacrifice regularly to his God. And so we gathered everything we needed. We grabbed the wood, we grabbed uh, the, the necessary stonework that we needed, and we took off and traveled to this great mountain. Abraham called it the mountain of God, as a matter of fact. And when we approached the mountain, Abraham did something different. He told us, his servants, to just stay there. And he took all of the wood and loaded it on his son. And they went up the mountain by themselves. I thought it was odd. He's never done this before. And as me and the other two servants are sitting there waiting for Abraham and Isaac to come back, we realized Abraham forgot the offering. The whole point of a sacrifice is to sacrifice something, right? Well, Abraham didn't bring a lamb or, or a, a, even a dove with him. Well, we figured he had it worked out. Fast forward a couple of days, and Isaac is telling us the story of what happened when they went up to that mountain. They went up, and it turns out that Abraham did not forget the sacrifice. It turns out... Isaac, his son, was the sacrifice. Not just his son, the son of the promise. Long story short, God provided and Isaac came back. I'll not forget that day. It was a strange day indeed. But Abraham was different in a good way from that point forward. The story of Abraham, Genesis 15. Genesis 15 to right around chapter 22 is where we find this account of Abraham and his travels and ultimately where him and Isaac end up going up to the mountain of God. Uh, and it's an interesting account of what God does in the life of a man and his family. And so I want to introduce to you our new series. Our new series is called Empowered. And this series is all about how God uses great men and women of God 
who actually weren't that great. God used them by empowering him through faith and through his power to do great things for him. And so that's what we're going to be looking at for the next several weeks. We're going to begin today with the life of Abraham, especially the promise given to Abraham. So take your Bibles or your apps, turn to Genesis 15, and we're going to begin in verse 1. Genesis 15, verse 1. Now, this passage is early in Abraham's travels with the Lord. And so look at what it has to say here. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Again, remember, Abraham didn't start out as Abraham. He started out as Abram, and God later changes his name. So after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham, Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it, credited it to him as righteousness. So God gives a promise to Abram. He gives this promise basically saying, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you into a great nation. Your descendants will be more than the stars in the sky. And he gives him this great promise. And then we go one chapter later and we find out that Abram is convinced that he's not going to have a son through his wife and is convinced instead for him to take his servant as his concubine, and have a son through her, even though that's not what God said. And so that happens. He has a son through his servant Hagar. And Hagar and Abram's wife Sarai have a hard relationship. They have difficulties. And then God promises again in chapter 17 that he will have a son through Sarai, who will later be known as Sarah. And then we find out that Isaac is born of Sarah. Even though they are both very, very old. Abraham was around 100 and Sarah was around 90. How many of you in this room go, you know what? I want to have a child at 90 years old. I have a little 18-month-old and I'm 42 and I go, oh, good Lord, how can I do this? It is only through the strength of the Lord that I can keep up with that 18-month-old. But imagine Abraham and Sarah at 190 years old and they have a baby. Talk about God's promise being fulfilled, right? And it's at that point that we see a change in Abraham's faith. Now, in verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 6, 
it says that Abraham believed and that belief was granted him righteousness. It was accounted to him as righteousness. Belief is a big deal to God. As a matter of fact, one could argue that true belief is one of the most high priorities that God wants to have for us. That we believe in Him completely. But Abraham didn't believe completely. He was convinced to have a son through someone else. But here's the thing. Here's my statement. Here's my big idea for this morning. So if you have ignored everything I've said, if, if you're dozing, wake up. And I want you to hear this because I, I think this is something we can live our lives by. And it's simply this statement. God says it, God does it. When God says something, He does that something. And He is trustworthy, He is faithful to always do what He says. Abraham had to learn that the hard way, didn't he? He had to go through this process of believing and then being swayed to not believe and then God convincing him again because of his promise and fulfilling that promise in order for him to fully believe. So let's fast forward now. I want you to turn to Genesis 22. You're in chapter 15, so you should just go over a, a few pages to chapter 22. Chapter 22. And we're going to start in verse 6. Genesis 22, verse 6. Now remember, just a few chapters prior in Abraham's life, it was just a few years before this, Abraham had believed God's promise and then had been convinced to not believe God's promise. And now look at how he has changed in chapter 22, verse 6. Read with me, verse 6. Abraham took the wood from the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on up together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now pause there for a minute. Can you imagine what Isaac was thinking in this moment? Believe me, Child sacrifice was not an unknown thing in this day and time. As a matter of fact, there are at least three major religions that Abraham was familiar with that regularly sacrificed children. So what do you think Isaac is thinking in this moment? Uh-oh. My life is about to end. It may be for faith, it may be for my religion, but my life is about to end. Just like many, many lives have been sacrificed to their gods. So, pick up verse 10. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham! Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him, because now I know 
that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and there was in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Isn't that interesting? Just a few years prior, Abraham didn't even have the faith to believe that his wife Sarah could have a son for him. And yet now, he is willing to sacrifice that one and only son that he has in order to fulfill the promise that God gave him. Now you may be saying, but, but what about the other kid? There's, there's, you mentioned another one through the servant girl, the concubine. Yeah, that son has been sent away. He is no longer connected to Abraham. And God does a completely different, miraculous, powerful work through that son, Ishmael. So here's the thing. Let me, let me ask you this. What changed with Abraham? Why the sudden shift between who he was before and who he is now? You see, he had an encounter with the promise of God. He didn't just believe that God would provide for him. He believed according to scripture that Abraham or that God was going to literally raise Isaac from the dead. So if you go and look in Hebrews chapter 11, if you know anything about Hebrews, chapter 11 is the faith chapter. It tells us about the great men and women of God who had faith in God's promises. And listen to what 11 verses 17 through 19 says. It says this, by faith Abraham was tested offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it is said, though Isaac shall be your offspring, through Isaac so shall your offspring be named. And he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. So Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham, in the moment, Willing to sacrifice his one and only son, believed that he was going to have to sacrifice him as proof to God and that God was going to turn around and raise Isaac from the dead. That's how much faith Abraham had. Abraham believed so strongly in God that he believed that God would simply raise Isaac from the dead and that Isaac would continue to be his child of promise. You see, in chapter 17, God had named Isaac by name as the one who would be the fulfillment of the promise that God had given Abraham. God had told Abraham, it's through Isaac that your nation will be great. And so Abraham knew that it was Isaac. You see, Abraham tasted the guarantee of God's promise, and it changed how he trusted God. He realized when God says it, God does it. He realized that God is faithful to always fulfill his promises. Now, let's talk about God's promises for a minute. Did you know 
that in God's word, there's somewhere around 3,500 promises given by God. Isn't that amazing? 3,500 promises. Now, some of those promises were to individuals or to specific people groups. But some of those promises were to us as the people of God. And the fact is, is that we have to learn to trust His promises. Listen to what Proverbs 3 has to say. And you may be, if you grew up in church or you've read the Bible a lot, you may be familiar with this passage, but it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil, and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Every single person who has ever lived on the earth has struggled with trusting God and His promises. Whether we realize it or not, we've all struggled to truly believe and place our faith in those promises. But the fact is, is that those promises are sure. Those promises are faithful. Listen to what 2 Peter 1 Verses 3 through 4 has to say. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. It says this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us precious and very great promises so that through them, through those promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. The fact is, is that God gives us these promises so that we can partake in heaven with Him, so that we can partake in the kingdom of God right here and right now. But we still have to believe in those promises And that's the difficult part. Whether it be through the lives of our family or through our finances or through the future or through the current struggle that we're dealing with, many times we struggle to believe and have faith in the promises that God gives. And so what are some of these promises? What does God promise us as His people? Well, first off, John 3, 16 and 17 tell us that God loves us so much that He gave His one and only Son and that if anyone calls on the name of that Son, Jesus Christ, He will not live in condemnation anymore, but He will live with eternal life. That's a promise. That when we call on the name of Jesus, we can be saved. You see, it's through the blood of Jesus. When Jesus died on that cross as a sinless person, innocently condemned to death, He took the sin of the world on Himself. He took your sin and my sin. And if we will accept that sacrifice and make Jesus our loving Lord and Master and Savior, then we don't have to live in the condemnation that our sin puts on us anymore. We can be saved through Jesus Christ. 
Here's another promise. Romans 8 tells us that nothing, whether physical or spiritual, can separate us from the love of God. If you need God's love, it is accessible and available for you. It is not removed. There is nothing that can get in its way. There is no barricade or blockade that can push it out of your life. It will always be available. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of friendships. I'm married, uh, and I can tell you there are times when I did not feel the love of the people in my life, usually because of my own fault. But uh, it doesn't matter what I do. Jesus' love will always be there for me. It doesn't matter how bad I am or how far I have strayed. God's love is always there, and that's a promise. Here's another one. James chapter 1 tells us that if we want wisdom and we ask for wisdom without doubt, God will give us wisdom. Isn't that reassuring to know that in times of difficult decisions, that if we go to the Lord and we don't doubt Him, that He will give us the wisdom we need for that moment. 1 Corinthians 10 says that when we are tempted, He will always provide a way out if we need it. When we're tempted and we're struggling, God will always provide an escape plan. Always. That's a promise. John chapter 10 tells us that no matter what happens in our life, if we are in Jesus, our salvation is secure and it's not going anywhere. That our belief in Him will always bring us that salvation. And the last one, which is probably the best promise that we could have, is Luke 12 and multiple other places tells us that He's coming back. He is coming back for us. That in the end, we will be fully redeemed. And that's a promise. I can't even say take it to the bank because that doesn't do justice to God's promises. You can always depend on the promises that He gives. So trust in Him. Lean on those promises. Pray those promises. And here's the thing. Know what those promises are so that you can live your life accordingly in faith with Jesus Christ. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you are the one and only true God, the living God, that through you alone is salvation, that it's only through you that we can be forgiven. And so, Lord, this morning, we pray that you would help us to lean on the promises of God. As Abraham tasted the assurance of the promises of God, we pray that you will help us to taste that assurance and that in that we can always trust you and what you say. That we will never doubt. Although doubt is okay, we pray that you would remove it so that we can trust you even more. And Lord, if there's anyone here who has never trusted in the Lord, we pray that you would help them to begin that process, that, that you would help that life-changing hope of Jesus to fill them up as they believe in him. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
We're going to now move into a time in our worship where we respond to what God is telling us to do. And for some of us, that may mean you need to come and pray at the altar. So the altar is open. If you need to come down, just come down. Spend that time with the Lord that you need to spend. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you want to know what it looks like to have a life-changing relationship with Christ. What it means to be saved. And if you have those questions, Pastor Josh and myself will be right here on this front pew. We would love the opportunity to talk to you about that. Maybe you just need to sit in your chair, sit in your seat, and pray where you're at about believing in the promises that God has for you. Either way, let's respond this morning. Let's stand.